3: What
1: is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Wilbur, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always always and boys we have a whole lot to get into today obviously we're only doing one show a week now this one will be on the phone as well considering there was supposed to be weather outside we can get into whether weathermen are weather weathermen are correct or not uh but boys let's go ahead and start with what happened right after our podcast last week and patrick reed goes up to Rory McIlroy on the range in Dubai and wants to say hello or whatever he wants to say to Rory McIlroy. And Rory is down uh, kind of in a in a catcher's position messing with his track man and doesn't even acknowledge Patrick Reed. And Patrick Reed proceeds to just flick a live tee down. It, 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 was, a, it was a tee and it said live golf, four aces or something like that. And... This story got blown out of proportion, in my opinion, but at the same time, it was foreshadowing what we were going to see Later in the week, this story turned into Patrick Reed throws a tee at Rory McIlroy on the range, and then we finally saw the video and saw that it wasn't really that, and then we heard from Rory McIlroy, and he says, I was subpoenaed by his lawyer on Christmas Eve trying to have a nice time with my family. You're not going to take that well. So again, I'm living in reality. I don't know where he's living. If I were in his shoes, I wouldn't expect a hello or a handshake. This was before the golf tournament. And Patrick Reed responds, T-Dub, and says, Since my T's are my team, four aces live, I flicked him one. It was kind of a funny shot back, but it was one of those things. If you're going to act like an immature little child, then you might as well be treated like one, T-Dub, what are your thoughts on that situation before we got to what we saw during the golf tournament in Dubai?
2: Well, I didn't realize that the Dubai Desert Classic was going to turn into the Desperate Housewives Classic of just all the drama <laughs> and soap-offerness that we had to see before the tournament. It was, it was like you said, Sam. It was, it was so blown out of proportions, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think Rory and Reed should be talking to each other. I thought it was funny how, how when Reed came up to Rory's caddy, Whereas Gary's just like, oh hey, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you, and I act like nothing was wrong. But uh, but Woody, I, I think the biggest thing from all this is just how the media misinterpreted what is what was really happening. Yes, it was Patrick Reed's lawyer who sent Rory the the subpoena on uh, on Christmas Eve, but it wasn't for a Reed lawsuit. It was it had to do with the PJ Tour Live lawsuit. So yes, you have Reed who is on live and it was Reed's lawyer. It was not Reed sending him a lawsuit like he did to Brandon Chambly and all the other journalists that he's done it to over the past. So while it made for a really good story, Woody, there were a lot of things that were really blown
0: out of proportions with it. Well, it's kind of like the Joker and Batman. Uh, Reed is the villain guys. He will always be the villain and much more so than any of the other guys on live. And we know that. So it's, if you're in the media and you know as well as I do what gets people to read your articles. Desperate housewife type stuff. <laughs> you hit it right on the head. This this sells product, okay? And it is built up and blown out of proportion, just as Sam said. It was two guys, maybe uh they're not the best of friends, let's be honest. Um or why Reed would even make the effort to reach out he knows he's not liked but having said all that yes i thought this was a non-issue that the deal out of it would have been a lot more fun if rory hadn't buried the last hole and they'd gone into a playoff then they would have really had a storm on that dubai coast but i think it's a non-issue it's just here we go boys Twenty twenty-three. It's just now, February, and look at all that's going on. It's going to be a crazy
1: year. It's going to be a very, very crazy year. I thought that tensions might die down a little bit. Leave it to Patrick Reed to continue the tensions into 2023. And, and T-Dub hit it right on the head here, guys. You know, the, the pile-on has begun on Patrick Reed in this situation Although, I feel like Rory is the one twisting the story a little bit. Like T-Dub said, Larry Klayman, or Kleiman, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce that, it was him. That's Reed's lawyer, and it was for the Live lawsuit against the PGA Tour. It had nothing to do with Patrick Reed saying, hey, go to their house on Christmas Eve and serve them a subpoena, guys. I mean, that was number one. And then number two is... Rory saying stuff like this. If the roles were reversed and I had thrown something at him or a tee at him, I'd be expecting a lawsuit, which is a hilarious comment from Rory. But at the same time, we saw the video. He didn't throw anything at Rory McElroy. He flicked a tee down to say, hey, you know, why don't you come be a part of the four aces as, as a sarcastic joke, you know? And so, I don't know. And so... That caused all of these tensions, guys, and then we head into the golf tournament, and in spectacular Patrick Reed fashion, he thrives under controversy, and number one, he played great golf this week. He shot a 65 in the final round, and Rory played and finished the golf tournament amazingly well. Birdies his last two holes to win by one shot in Dubai, we can get to that in a minute, but... There was a huge rules controversy on Saturday when Patrick Reed was on the drivable 17th hole and his ball apparently got stuck in a tree. And he says that he called the rules official over and they had the binoculars and asked him to identify his ball. And he said, I have a purple arrow on it. And they, they said that... You know, that was his ball, and, and everything was good. To me, T-Dub, this was a non-issue if his name wasn't Patrick Reed. I feel like you might think of this situation a little different than I do.
2: Well, One thing I want to say before I get on to the ruling is regarding the Rory Reed thing is that, yeah, I, yes, I, I said the things about, about it wasn't Reed's lawyer, but I also don't think Rory was the one misinterpreting the story. What he said was completely factual. It was Patrick Reed's lawyer who— came to his do sent him the stuff on christmas eve which is actually true it's the media who took that and twisted it and if i was rory i wouldn't have handled one thing that he did in the situation any differently if it was Reed and, and everything i wouldn't i wouldn't have said hi to him and i would have said the exact same things that he did so i was completely on, Rory's side that, on, rory, on that
1: whole situation. you don't think that rory made it seem like patrick reed sent his lawyer to his house on christmas eve i feel like that's kind of what he insinuated
2: Well, it's it's how you look at it, right? Reed's lawyer sent me a thing, which is actually true. He represents Patrick Reed. It's just not that case. So, no, I don't think what Rory said was misinterpreted whatsoever. And that was a good reason to not like someone. I mean, I can think of plenty of situations where if you get down to it, Someone's on a rival organization from you and their lawyer represents that rival organization that you so happen to be with. It doesn't matter if you're particularly in the lawsuit or not. I wouldn't talk to the guy either, especially with the reputation as we're about to get into with the ruling situation, because like you said, if it was anyone besides Patrick Reed, this wouldn't be an issue. But the difference is that it is dealing with Patrick Reed, who dealt with what, six or seven now rules controversies. You can't tell me that these are all just happen to be damn coincidence. That, that he just keeps so happily to be uh, in the situation. And with the, the thing with the tree, Woody, it's, yes, his ball did get stuck in a tree, and he should have gotten a drop from an unplayable lie, which is the ruling in the situation. But he picked the wrong damn tree, and then Patrick Reed had to come out and say that if, if there was, without a shadow of a doubt, that was my golf ball, I would have went back to the tee box. Well, we have video evidence that there was a shadow of a doubt that that was not your golf ball. So, yes, if this was not Patrick Reed, it would not be a big deal. But it is Woody who has been proven essentially numerous times to be a cheater, and it's uh, it's not a good look for for his uh, if he wants to have any sort of redemption status for a guy who used to be Captain America.
0: Well, he's far from Captain America now. He 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 will never find redemption. But don't you guys find it funny? Who was the guy that made the biggest deal out of this deal? They call it the Zabruder film from when John Kennedy was shot. Who got on the golf channel and made the big deal out of it? Brandel Chamblee. Okay, (laughs) enough said. Those two darn sure aren't going to have Christmas dinner or send any birthday presents to one another. This is just a little bit more of Chamblee has the mic He has the ability to poke the bear, prod the bear, whatever you want to say, and he does it every time he gets the chance. So when he has this opportunity, guys, to stick a knife in Patrick Reed, he is going to do it. Patrick Reed, we talked about this before we went on to do our podcast, guys. Patrick Reed is the golfer. It's like the story I told you about the Bob Hope where I hit I didn't know if it hit the wrong ball or not. I couldn't honestly tell you which ball was mine. Patrick Reed, point blank, said that is my ball in the tree. At that point, the official looked, looked at the marking on the ball that Patrick Reed said was his marking. And what can the official do? The only thing the official could have possibly done is get a ladder, go back to the other tree, climb up there, see if – Patrick Reed's ball, or like Patrick Reed's ball, is in that tree. They didn't have time. They didn't have time. They rely on the golf professional, which most golf professionals are honest, play by the rules. We are taught not to cheat, unlike other sports. Patrick Reed said, that's my ball. The official must say, okay, take your job. So, you're right, d If it Walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. It's It might be a duck. And after six, seven, eight times, we've had an issue with Patrick Reed. Well, all I can say is he sounds like quack quack
1: to me. And I don't blame you guys for feeling like that. Number one, what do you mention something right there that I feel like we should do? Dubai has enough money to get one of your forklifts out there and tell us whether it's the ball or not. I, I feel like we should know we had T-gate at the start of the week. Now we have ball gate, you know, in the middle of the week. I feel like we should figure out whether that ball actually has a purple arrow on it or not. Or whether he was well, playing I'm- a purple arrow at the start of the, at the start of the day. Well I'm surprised guys they didn't somebody didn't go back after the fact
0: okay I'm not surprised they didn't do it during the golf tournament they don't have time it, it'll slow down play right. so badly but I am surprised nobody went back to that tree with a forklift and went up there and looked around. I really am shocked at that. You could bet if Brandel Chambly would have been on site, <laughs> Brandel Chamblee would have hired somebody or he'd have climbed that tree himself just to be able to pull the ball out
1: and show it to everybody and go, See, see, I told you he's a cheater. You know, he would have done it. <laughs> no, he would have that. No doubt. So coming from Patrick Reed's perspective, and this is not to defend him. I get if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But in this situation, guys, I kind of hear where he's coming from. He says, which is the first line is pretty ironic. He says, some people love controversy, <laughs> which is hilarious. But then we get to the legitimate part. He says, But what happened on the 17th hole at the Hero Dubai Desert Classic was a non-issue. As the DP World Tour confirmed, I was not asked to identify the tree my ball struck. That was done by Shotlink volunteers and several marshals. I was asked to describe the distinctive markings on the ball that I was playing. So, if the rules official has the binoculars, is looking up in the tree and says, Patrick, how is your ball marked? And he says, with a purple arrow. And the rules official looks up in the tree and says, yep, there's a purple arrow. I confirm that. I don't see how that's on Patrick Reed because there's no way he knows which tree it's in either. He was 300 yards back, you know, on the tee box. So this isn't necessarily a Patrick Reed cheating scandal to me, t Dub. I mean, I I think you probably feel a little different on it, but to me, when a rules official is involved, I can't necessarily go, yep, that's cheating.
2: No, you are right on that aspect. The rules official is the one who did grant him the right to drop, and they did confirm it there. So, yes, you you can't fully put the blame on Patrick in that situation. And and I will say of all the other quote-unquote cheating scandals that he's been involved with, this probably does rank a little bit lower on the list. This is a, a lot less egregious, in my opinion, than the shoveling of sand at the Hero Challenge suppose that's four years ago now at this point so so no it, it, the rules officials there granted it i understand that but once again it, it's just sort of like if you constantly get accused of being in trouble it, it's like there has to be something there right it, it's like it, i i don't know woody am, am i miss am i misplaced for thinking that that someone who's been accused of cheating six or seven times it, it, it's just like you said if it walks like a duck quacks like a duck it's probably a damn dunk.
0: well yeah, again we we look at this guy it's it, Sam's got a good argument on this. One. I, I I would say that this is ranked, like you said, TW, low on his cheating scandals. The the what we really have to look at is Patrick Reed, guys. This didn't start on tour. This started back in college. Absolutely, if you guys. Recall, he was at the University of Alabama before he transferred to a Georgia State. Georgia. Georgia. It was Georgia. He, yes. He, he, University of Georgia, I'm sorry, you're right. He was at that school, and numerous players on that team have had accused him and, and said, this guy's a cheater. So he has a track record that goes back. If we could probably dig around in his junior golf days, you might even find something. I don't know, but he has a track record. that. I, that's why I said earlier in this podcast, He cannot redeem himself, guys. There is no way possible that as this career goes on, he has got that black cloud hanging over him now. And I don't even think even by the act of God that that's going to get cleared away. I just don't see it happening.
1: No, I mean, I don't see it happening either. And it's his fault that he did cheat in certain instances. And now we, you know, are debating whether he's cheating again because we're looking for reasons or we don't trust him when he tells us that, hey, it wasn't me. He asked me how my ball was marked, you know, but we don't trust that anymore because of what we've seen him do in the past. Um, I want to get to the other side of this, guys, because Rory was extremely impressive this past week. I mean, it, it ate consecutive top 10 finishes for Rory right now. That's the longest streak of his career. And Rory McIlroy, guys, is now the favorite to win the Masters at 7-1. John Rahm at 8-1. Cam Smith at 12-1. Man, I mean, I've heard a lot of this from Rory McIlroy and and the golf media. Basically, Rory McIlroy's camp <laughs> when I say golf media I've heard winning is the only thing that matters, guys, after this past week in in this little battle between Patrick Reed. Really? Because Rory McIlroy hasn't won a major in almost a decade, and he parred his last eight holes in the last major championship to lose to Cam Smith. The fact that even Vegas has him as a favorite over John Rahm right now for the Masters is ludicrous to me, t Dub. I don't know. It just bugs me the narrative that we're seeing that, yeah, winning is the thing that matters when, by the way – he stole the spotlight away from the PGA tour this week. And he's been the PGA tour spokesperson at a big tournament that should be an elevated event, but it's not at Torrey pines. He stole the spotlight away from the PGA tour and put the spotlight on Dubai this week. I just had a few problems with Rory McIlroy in that regard as well. T-Dub.
2: That is a funny thing. You mentioned about him taking spotlight away from the the tour event. I something I didn't, Considering is pretty funny. I will say on your Rory versus Rom debate, if you look at the analytics on on data golf, uh, Rory McIlroy's strokes index is at a two point seven, while Rom right now is at a two point six. So, and, and then the third next best is Tony Finau two point one four. So they're both head and shoulders by far the best two players.
1: In the world, Akita, and both I want on to make one thing clear. I'm not debating analytics. I I, I agree that Rory McIlroy, on paper, right now, is the best player probably in the world, along with John Rahm, as you just said. I'm just saying that I don't need analytics to see how he's finished in majors over the past few years. I didn't want people to get confused there.
2: Well, and also too, you're talking about the, the Vegas odds you got to think Rory McIlroy is a more popular name in the golf world than John Rahm is at this point, just because Rory has been around for a lot longer and and he's by far the, he had his own video game, Rory McIlroy PGA Tour. So it's, you'll have more people going to the betting window to bet on Rory than you would with Rahm. And similar to how, when uh, really big names in college football, their teams aren't very good. They're always getting a little bit more push just because of the name brand. I think that's one of the main reasons Rory's getting the seven to one versus the eight to one one with Rahm because, they really should be uh, about the same in that aspect, Woody. But uh, but no, I don't think that it's uh, it's it's not a clear distinction. But between which of them is the best? But uh, I, I think it, the clear distinction, Woody, is that they're both uh, one and two in the world, and it's really not even close.
0: It's going to be hard to say which one could win or somebody else win. We do realize that Rory just came off a two months kind of a break, and even got served with subpoena on Christmas Eve to ruin his Christmas. And he came back and won this golf tournament. I think by far, guys, was not his A game. Um, Rahm is on a roll. Rory is on a roll. But Augusta is still two months, almost two and a half months away. You know that, that you can sometimes burn out. Uh, I don't know. I still have picked Rory to win the Masters, to win the Grand Slam, only because I feel like he's gotten to be really close with Tigers. And I think a Tiger Woods could take Rory or take any human being over the top if if you get enough time with tigers. So I think Augusta's a way ways away, but it will be fun to watch how these two lead into it. Also, always remember, gentlemen, pea times. What if the weather's different in Augusta? It could completely ruin one of those guys' chances to win. We've all seen it happen. It's not like it can't happen that you get the bad side of a tea time so for us to be talking about those two guys sure we should and I still think they're the favorites. but boy a lot can happen between now and Augusta
1: a lot no doubt about it and for Rory and Patrick Reed T-Dub to me I think it's probably harder to play golf especially when you have a controversy going around and off the course life right I, I mean I just felt like in my competitive golf career that it was a lot easier to play golf and a lot easier to play great golf when your mind was clear what these guys can do with all this, you know, distraction off the course is absolutely unbelievable. Whether you're on Patrick Reed's side in this or Rory's side in this or neither, you have to respect what we just saw this week because that was unbelievable, right?
2: I I 100% agree. And I think that we we saw this for Rory at the RBC Canadian Open last year, because that's really when all the lift stuff finally came out, and he ended up going out and winning the tournament. So seems like Rory's able to use some of this controversy more as motivation for him and allows him to even play better golf. So maybe all the things that have transpired over the last year may be the best thing that ever happened to Rory. And I think we even saw a little bit of St. Andrews until the last eight holes or whatever it was, where he was unable uh, to get really get anything in the hole, the last ten holes. So it was, uh, Rory definitely has a way to go when it comes to making sure he solidifies that major. But if he is able to get it done at the Masters and, and put on that green jacket, get the career grand slam it'll solidify him as one of the top, for sure, top ten players of all time, potentially even top five when it's all said and done. So a lot of pressure on Rory's plate, but uh, like like Woody mentioned, it's uh, hey, there's a lot of things that can happen between now and Augusta, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if someone else, maybe a Scotty Scheffler or Patrick Cantler, or even Max Homa who just won, starts showing, or Colin Morikawa starts showing some promise and being able to contend with some of those guys uh, by the time April comes around.
1: Woody, do you have any thoughts on that, just as far as it might be a little bit harder to play with distractions off the course, whatever they may be? I
0: believe that we've talked about it on this podcast. I've told you guys that my little brief career, there is 10 to 15 guys that are just better. They're just better than everybody else. They can do things that you can't do. I don't care how many balls you hit, how hard you practice, what you do. I still believe God reaches down and touches other people with a little bit more of a blessing. I don't know why, but there's 10 to 15 guys. Rory McIlroy is one of those guys, period. He can play through what normal human beings cannot do. So, again, Tiger set a bar so high that nobody will ever reach where Tiger was. I truly believe that, guys. And his stretch, I just don't see it ever happening again. But it could, and everybody said nobody would be better than Jack Nicklaus was. Well, uh, he was pretty close. So, I think that that kind of player and this kind of controversy that's on and how Rory has taken the mantle for the PGA Tour bodes well for him to play and be exceptional this year. If it isn't him, it's Rom. You know, Sam, you and I picked Rom to win a lot of things this year. T-Dub's picking Rory. So, pretty hard to go against 81, one
1: guys yeah no doubt about it and then on the Patrick Reed side of it i'm not sure that he's really one of those top 15 guys that if he's on he's just going to win you know on any in any given week but the thing about reed is that i feel like he kind of does some of this stuff to motivate himself guys like kind of like a jordan did when he you know makes up You know, some quote from an opposing team or coach or some deal like that. I feel like Reed might have done some of the controversy stuff to motivate himself for this week. I don't know. He just seems like a guy that thrives under controversy. Um, And he does finish second in the golf tournament along with three other. Live guys, Poulter finished at 13-under, Stinson finished at 12-under along with Richard Bland. Um, So Liv ended up having four guys in the top 10 of the Dubai Desert Classic, which is really good. I I would consider that uh, not an exhibition. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. But we did hear more from Phil Mickelson. And this is in regards to the European Tour and the DP World Tour. He said... In a couple of weeks, I expect that the players, the live players, will win their case in the United Kingdom and will open the doors for the players to play on the European Tour there's a very good chance that you'll have more showdowns like we had this past week and more head-to-head competitions like you saw last week at the Dubai Desert Classic. That would be really good for the game. Uh, Also, Phil Mickelson was saying a lot during this golf tournament. After the third round, Phil Mickelson tweeted out, what a great 7-under in the third round by at Rory McIlroy in Dubai, all caps, to open up a three-shot lead, see if he can finish it off, watch live final round action from the Middle East on the Golf Channel. Uh So, Phil Mickelson, pretty outspoken, but I think that when he's talking about these live golfers playing on the DP World Tour, I, I think that that's a big-time deal, and if I'm the DP World Tour, you got to love that, right? I mean, it's bringing, like I said, the spotlight to your tour, t well, that's what I've been saying forever. That's
2: why I don't see why it makes any sense to ban these players because it just makes your fields better if you haven't. As you just alluded to, there was a decent amount of live guys that finished up in the top ten. Henrik Stenson being one of them, which I believe in the third round, he was paired with Luke Donald, which I, I wish I would have been up in the middle not to watch that. That would have been extremely exhilarating because that was the past Ryder Cup captain, now with the current Ryder Cup captain. who was stripped of his title for going to live. So I thought that was interesting, but but Sam, I, I feel like the, the main field controversy over the weekend. He tweeted out that you didn't mention is his, his take on Sam Ryder's joggers. I mean, he was very outspoken That's, about that. What i are your, gonna I, wait.
1: I know you're a jogger. I know you're a joggers guy, Sam. You you gotta defend your, your take here. Well, I was gonna wait and bring that up when we when we got to uh, Tory. But here's the deal on the joggers that I I feel like I've come to a conclusion here. I'm a joggers guy. I've never worn joggers on the golf course. I don't necessarily think that joggers on the golf course is a bad thing, but when you wear them with foot joys or some shoe that looks like a dress shoe, it just looks goofy. Also, Sam Ryder needs to go up a size in joggers. They were a little too high up. They looked more like capris and less like joggers to me, T-Dub. I don't know. What were your thoughts on it? I think it looks absolutely horrible. I, I, I am not a fan <laughs> of, of, of the way it looks. What, I, I
2: will say I'm not in the camp of, I don't think it should be banned. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not at that point because I feel like I, I'm a proponent that tour players should be able to wear shorts, especially whenever it's a hot condition. that's
1: That's exactly what Phil was saying. He goes, y'all can't wear shorts, but you can wear this stuff? <laughs> exactly. So, what it's it's not the fact that it should be, ban- uh,
2: should be banned. I just think it looks, Absolutely horrible, and I'm dying to hear what your take is on the old joggers.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I, you know, Sam said it best. I've never seen pants like that on men uh, for the longest <laughs> time. And then uh, uh, that Jay Lindenberg started coming out with some pretty interesting stuff. I will say this. I'm glad I missed that window in my career Um I'm not sure I would have worn them either. Uh, I I will say this. I fought long and hard for shorts, though. I I always felt like shorts did not make me look less professional uh, than, say, slacks, especially when it was 110 degrees. So um, the joggers, I thought it was funny that Phil threw that out there because it looks like Phil's trying to get his humor back and trying to – become back to the kind of the Phil Mickelson we kind of liked before all this happened. Um, The the simple fact he's getting involved, he's complimenting Rory. I do think, Sam, you did hit on something that's very important, guys. The DP World Tour, I do think they're going to let those guys play. And the reason I do is I think Kelly understands that for his tour to ever gain Uh, the the satisfaction or the attention that it needs, he needs the best fields he can possibly get his hands on. The fact that he's got 48 guys on the list, let's say 20 of them are top 100 players, which I think they are, if he can pull those to every one of his DP events and those guys can get world ranking points through those DP events, well, guess what? That's a win-win for everybody, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I've seen on Twitter certain people that are, you know, either affiliated with the PGA Tour or are just on the PGA Tour's side saying, oh, where? what happened to this longer offseason? Well, the problem is... The PGA Tour banned these guys, so they have to play certain events to gain official World Golf ranking points. Guys, it, they would take the longer offseason if they didn't have to play these DP World Tour events. Unfortunately for them, they have to in this scenario. Um, by the way, speaking of uh, one thing that I wanted to mention on the joggers, if, if you have the joggers, you have to have them go all the way down to the ankle. And you have to be wearing a tennis shoe-type shoe. Obviously, they're all wearing golf shoes, but... At least be wearing, you know, a Nike or or some shoe that looks like a tennis shoe. T Dub, I know we're talking about two different. This is like when I have one conversation going on text message and a different conversation with the same person going on Snapchat. T Dub, this is what I feel like right now. We're talking about joggers and whether live players uh, should play on the DP World Tour. <laughs>
2: one hell of a combination there, and, and and I will say there is there is a time and place for the joggers. And depending on who you are, you can, you can definitely swag it. There's no doubt, but uh, Sam Ryder definitely was not pulling it off. <laughs> if maybe he had won the tournament, you have the excuse. Cause if, if you, if you win a PJ tournament, you can wear whatever the hell you, you go out there and wear a kilt if you want to. I mean, it, it doesn't matter at that point, just take your one and a half million dollar check and say, see you later. But uh, I, I would have loved to have seen Woody back in his heyday on the PGA tour wear the office that Sam Ryder had on.
0: Well, let me tell you something guys. Now I've got to add my two cents here because the other day, I got something in the mail that my wife had ordered for me, and I opened up the box, and it was from Lululemon.
1: They're great, and Woody. You got to try them out. They're like sweats, but they they look you can wear them out in public a little more than sweats. <laughs> well, I gotta tell
0: you, I got three pairs of these suckers, and I was <laughs> looking for underwear. See, I thought I was going to get underwear. I was looking for underwear or socks.
1: Woody owns joggers. That is not where I was expecting this conversation to go. Please tell me more.
0: Like I said, though, but now let me tell you something. I pulled them out. I put them on. And I thought, well, yeah, these are pretty cool looking really. And then I looked at how much she paid for them. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> I could wear some really nice slacks for a hundred and fifty dollars a pair. A hundred and fifty dollars a pair she paid for these stupid things. And I looked at her and I said, Honey. I'm glad you used your credit card. That's all I can tell you. Because <laughs> holy crap, Ola! But at 150 dollars a pair, you can bet I'm not going to feed the donkey in them. I'll probably go to oak tree in them and have Gino laugh at me. Is what's going to happen,
1: <laughs> Woody? At least you got the swag from Lulu Lemon. Uh, speaking of Sam Ryder, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, T Dub, his sneaky choke. This past weekend at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Let's dive into that tournament. Max Homa wins by two at the Farmers Insurance Open over Keegan Bradley and Max Homa wins for the fourth time on the PGA tour in California, the sixth time um, winning on the PGA tour in his career also is just the second player this year with multiple wins along with John Rahm and is now second on the FedEx cup points list. And guys, I think uh, we got a tweet from a fellow, you know, PGA tour slash corn ferry tour member of Max Homa's and said, You guys might need to be having a discussion on your next podcast about the most clutch golfer in the game right now, and he's talking about Max Homa. Ten top threes in Max Homa's professional career, and eight of those were wins. So when he's in contention, guys, he's won eight of ten times. It's actually unbelievable what we've seen from Max Homa under pressure this week. Max Homa was just absolutely striping the driver, especially on 18, to just step up with a one-shot lead and literally hit it right down that line in the middle of the fairway in 18 at Torrey and then hit a clutch... Clutch fairway wood, guys. I was a little bit surprised, T-Dub, that he didn't just lay up with like a nine iron and hit a wedge on the green and make par, but he knew that he could get the fairway wood over the water um, and ended up making birdie to win by two. What did you see from Max Homa this week in his comeback victory?
2: Well, one of the reasons why he didn't lay up is because of the infamous Kyle Stanley situation that happened, what, 10 or 12 years ago now, where he had like a three-shot lead laid up on 18, then hits it on the back tier and spins it all the way back in the water, makes a triple bogey, then loses in a playoff. So I I think Max Homa, if he had had watched that golf term and said, there's no way in hell I'm going to go ahead and lay up on the phone. Like you said, he was able to get the three wood over the green and make a a very easy uh, birdie there to solidify the win. But uh, one of the things, I think one of the reasons why he plays so well under pressure is he has such a great technical golf swing that just doesn't break down this tempo doesn't change either. So it's just, it's, when you have a repetitive golf swing, along with, with a great putting stroke, going all the way back to the Open Championship or after the Open Championship, he's played in 12 to 13 events, and he hasn't he's only lost strokes game putting in one of those. So, Woody, whenever you combine a swing that doesn't break down with a, a really awesome putter, you're, you're going to have a lot of chances to win golf tournaments. And when you get up there and give yourself that chance and you're able to finish it and get it done, it, it shows that you have what it takes to be uh, out there with the big
0: boys. Okay, here's our question of the day to you two guys. Almost a full year ago and a few days, probably maybe 14 months ago, I looked at Max Homa and our buddy Taylor Gooch, and I looked at those two guys and said, these two are fixing to break break it out. They're These two are not only were they close friends, but they looked like guys, you know, that were coming into their own. Do you think our boy Taylor ever sits at home right now not that his bank account isn't really good. Do not get me wrong. But do we wonder, could that be Taylor Gooch, guys, if he didn't go to live? I think it could have been. I think Taylor was every bit as good as a player as Max Homa. Max Homa has thrived in these last 13, 14, 15 months. I wish, I wish like heck, I could have a, a crystal ball and would have seen what would Taylor have done if he'd stayed on the PGA Tour. That's my question to you two. What do you think would have happened?
1: That's a good question. Um, Man, just the way Max Homa has been playing, I don't know that we could have foreseen that him or Taylor could be striking the ball as well as Max Homa is right now. Um, Golly, I I think that there's a chance that you could be right there, Woody. I mean, obviously, I don't think at all that Taylor regrets it. But at the same time, I see what you're saying about their career trajectories. But at the same time, T-Dub, where I would say they're different is Max Homa was a world beater in the amateur ranks and especially in college. I mean, he won a national championship in college, Um, and so I feel like it was more of Max Homa just having to get out of his own way where it was Taylor having to work his way up to the top. You know what I mean? And you know, the top 30 in the world is what I mean.
2: Yeah, I agree with everything that both y'all are saying there. I think that Taylor had just a good chance to be doing exactly what Homa's doing, but I also agree with what Sam's saying because, I, I, it, be, national champions are very, very hard to come by. We're not talking team national champion. We're talking individual national champions. So he, he was an absolute stellar player at the amateur ranks. I think he won like 2013 or something like that. So, yeah, he was uh, maybe a little bit later. Nevertheless, he's such a such an outstanding amateur player. And uh, it was like, yes, I think Taylor had a little bit more of his way to work up in that sense, but he did win the RSM uh, Classic right before uh, the end of the 2021 year. So he was definitely on his way to solidifying his ranks. There, but uh, I agree with Sam. in The aspect of uh, I don't think Taylor regrets his decision whatsoever. But uh, and I also think that it's a little bit too early in the cycle of live. It hasn't even been a full calendar year really since the players announced that they were going. So a lot of things have to transpire between now and then. It, it could end up being that uh, maybe we look five years down the road and Taylor may end up being a better player than Max Homa uh, when it all said and done. It's just uh, there's there's so many things that need to transpire before that. And and honestly. You look at the analytics. We we're talking about Rahm and Rory earlier being one and two. Uh, Homer's all the way up to seventh in that aspect. Number thirteen OWGR. So he's not just a guy on Twitter that that looks at golf swings anymore. He's a a world class player, top ten player in the world, ranked ahead of guys like Torres, Justin Thomas, uh, Victor Hovland, guys that who we all consider to that guys that need to win majors and will continue to win majors. And Homer's really got himself in that category. What do you? Are we going to start picking him at, at the four majors coming up?
0: Well, we should. If we don't, we're stupid. Because if you look at where he's won, also, Riviera, Torrey Pines, Wow, guys. Those are two really well, difficult. Up. And Quell Hollow. Okay. Three really difficult golf courses. Wouldn't you agree? And so, and his pedigree is such that he seems to drive the golf ball so well, which screams at winning majors. He's also become quite a... a, a probably a better than average putter darn good putter so everything that you're watching with Max Homa is saying that this guy is getting ready to bust into that major victory type of realm player if he wins major this year guys now you really do have to say this guy's no longer just a a twitter fan and a uh you know kind of a a celebrity on the uh, the, the, the cell phone. He is real. He is he is doing things that make me when I watched him at at Tory coming down the stretch. he saw it as rock. Did Sam Ryder kind of back up a little bit? Yeah, he did. But part of the things that causes a guy to back up is you've got a pit bull on your tail just nipping at you. Okay, and why was Tiger so good? Because when he got on the leaderboard, everybody goes, oh, no, not him. Please, not him. You know what? Max Holm is starting to get that same reputation.
1: I don't know if it's the same reputation as Tiger, but he's definitely getting up there, Woody. And he caught Sam Ryder by number nine. And the reason being that he was putting so much pressure on these guys is because he far and away in this event was hitting his irons better than anybody else, almost gaining Three shots on the field, strokes gained approach, and gaining over a shot and a half on the greens to go along with the great driver of the golf ball under pressure that Max Homa is. And so, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Woody, about, you know, when you see that name coming up the leaderboard, you know that he's not really going to falter coming down the stretch. Um one surprise, T Dub, that I saw, or really two surprises that I saw in this final round, to go along with Sam Ryder's little sneaky choke in the final round. I was not expecting John Rom to shoot two over in the final round, um, and I wasn't expecting Tony Finau to shoot one over in the final round. John Rom. It looked like he finally had a day where he came back down to earth a little bit. We saw it a little bit in the first round and a little bit in the last round. Uh, it showed us that John Rahm is actually human. T Dub,
2: yeah, that was that was very unexpected to see Rom play like that. I mean, like you said, it's maybe it just he had played such good golf and and things like that happen. He just had bad rounds. He had gone. He had actually played pretty bad on the first day too, shot seventy three, but then sixty seven at the uh, at the North Course in the in the second round and then the shoot. 66 in the third round at the South Course was very, very impressive. But yeah, just kind of came back down the earth a little bit. Still had a top ten finish in there, so yeah, it was uh, it it was a little bit shocking to see Tony Fiena wasn't necessarily as shocking. One of the reasons because I picked him in the one and done, so the chances of him looming were very, very slim, just based <laughs> off of that. And and he, and he made the cut on on the number. He was putting so horribly the first two days, and and somehow got it figured out in the third round. Shot eight under, which bolstered him up into into the final group, but then wasn't able to play very well um, after that. But uh, but no, even Sam Ryder, who you mentioned, Sam, I, th- I think we saw that one coming. He, he What was ironic was that in the first two days, he played with Brendan Steele, who, who then he played with in the third round because they were both playing so good that they were in the final group. I thought that was very interesting. You don't see that happen too often uh, on the PGA Tour. But, yeah, his 75 came a little bit down to earth and uh, could, could have saw that one coming from a mile away in all honesty and definitely leader in the clubhouse right now for sneakiest choke of the year because he led the tournament literally wire to wire a- a- except for the last uh, six holes of the tournament. A- and also, going back to your point before we get off of Homa. It is his performance on the par threes was absolutely unbelievable. Oh, he buried shot on eleven. 16. Oh, it was so good. It hit it to fifteen feet, two hundred and thirty yards, and then made that curler putt, and then hit it to what, fifteen feet or twelve feet or something like that on, on the eleventh hole, which was absolutely impressive. But I think what was even more impressive than that on all the par threes he played, he actually buried the third hole. I forgot about this. But, but the most impressive was on the, the eight-hole guys where he plugs it in the front bunker, and it looks like he might have to even take an unplayable, not even be able to hit it. Hits it out to about 10 feet and makes that putt for a par, and, and we can all attest to this. Those momentum putts you make for par can sometimes be bigger than the ones that you make for birdie So I don't know, Woody. I feel like we, we're going to look at all the great shots here on the back now, but I feel like that up and down is where he won this golf tournament.
0: I'm going to start calling you Brandle. You're really pretty good, T-Dub. That was awesome because let me tell you something. I think he thought he hit a really good shot on eight, and it it just came up short and plugged. And when I saw the same thing you saw, I thought, uh uh-oh, this could be a momentum change. This could help this Sam Ryder because here he comes, and he's coming after him, and he's hitting it so good. Boy, when he got that ball up and in, in fact, I even was sitting there on myself and I said to myself, This, this party's over, guys. This party's over. I guarantee a homeless win this golf tournament. And boom, there he went. He just went crazy. But what you said, anytime you're playing around golf, whether you're us or the, the amateurs listening to us, hey, guys, how, how important is a two on your
1: scorecard?
0: Holy cow. What do you have that last round? Three of them?
1: Unbelievable. It, I mean it yeah, really on is on hard par threes too. Yeah. You throw you throw
0: three two, especially at Tory Pine South. The eight pole is the easiest of those par threes. Okay? It is the easiest thing. And it was like he made Birdie there too because he he got away with bloody murder. He could have made four or five so easy and he walked away with three. So when you think about it, he totaled nine on the par threes and one by two. That's where he won the golf tournament, in my
1: opinion. Yeah, I mean... I might be wrong. No, you're exactly right on that. And you mentioned uh, Brandel Chambly there, talking about what T-Dub was doing, breaking down this golf tournament. I think T-Dub broke this golf tournament down a whole lot better than Brandel did, and reason <laughs> being is Brandel Chamblee... Yeah, I thought you were about to insult me there for a second, Woody. I was like, what? wait, what is he talking about? <laughs> well, Brandel oh, wow. Chambly, guys, after... This tournament, he had some thoughts on John Rahm, and he said he hasn't done what JT did or what Jordan did or what Rory did. Does he have the potential to be a superstar? Yes, absolutely, but his iron play has to get a little bit better. I don't know what golf tournament Brandel Chambly was watching. I, on, I honestly feel like Brandel makes this stuff up, but Rom, for the event, gained 1.39 strokes gained approach, which is almost a shot and a half per round on the field with the irons. Rom, in the final round... Gained 1.79 shots gained approach, which is over a shot and a half in the final round. If anything, T-Dub held Rom back this week. It was a short game again. I mean, consider your source, golf fans. Rom is a superstar on the PGA Tour. I don't know why Brandle has a vendetta against certain guys, but John Rom is clearly one of them. John Rom is the the superstar of the PGA Tour, considering Rory McIlroy rarely even plays on the PGA Tour. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Why did he say his irons were bad? That didn't
2: make any sense to me. I didn't he even see that up. he mentioned it. He sand. made it up. He gained, one point, he gained 1.39 in the three of the four rounds that were on the south course where they calculated strokes gained. It was one of the best in the field. And I, I don't understand. You look at his, his final round, he lost strokes gained around the greens and lost strokes gained putting so obviously Woody it was this damn short game and
0: I, I could have told you that by looking at the holes and I, I watched him play well and and I, I I need to do a formal apology I would just kind of have fun with <laughs> when you because Brandon Brando and that that was probably the worst thing I could have ever called anybody that's in the broadcasting <laughs> business and I apologize right now do not take this out of the Woody.
2: you know I, love I
0: have to af- officially apologize I was just having fun with you but then I got thinking about it I might as well call him an SOB or something even worse than that. So that was the worst <laughs> thing I could have ever called his grandpa. I'd rather be calling him I will never do that again, T-Dub. I promise. If I do, I should be shot. Do not let me ever do that again, okay? But you guys are you guys are spot on, Tim. I don't know what he's got against John Rom. Um, uh, you know what? Superstar is a really big word to throw out there. But if he's going to call Jordan Smith and JT and Rory. A superstar, and not call John Rahm a superstar, well, wait a minute. I got to go wait. No, 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 no. To me, a, a superstar, though, if you're going to really say a superstar, I think you have to have many, 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 many years, okay? So when I look at superstars, I talk about Tiger Woods, uh, Jack Nicklaus, um, you know, Tom Watson. I'm looking at guys that did it for years and years and years before I use that term. But he throws it out and then says, John Rahm, no, no, no. Well, just chalk up another one for our buddy Brandel. Maybe one of y'all should call and see if you can get him on our podcast. Wouldn't that be fun?
1: No, because uh, a podcast is banned on Twitter. I know, yeah. or blocked on Twitter. I don't think we have podcast. a chance. So yeah, we block him from our podcast. <laughs> he blocked us on Twitter. Uh,
0: anyway, well, you guys, hey, I got to tell you one story though, Sam. <laughs> I can't call him either because I almost got in a fight with him on the putting green at the Byron Nelson
1: <laughs> when we were both on tour. So well, wait, I can't we gotta call him you can't just say that and then like well, gloss over it. What was the story? It, was, it, it really, guys. What it really was is
0: it was our wives had had a, 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 some kind of a tussle, and, and he was coming up to me trying to act like a badass. Now, Brandel Chamblee is not a big man, and well, as uh, well, I'm a pretty large individual, I am kind of a okay? Do not get me wrong, but I can make you think I can whip your ass, okay? I really can, and well, this little Banny Rooster came up to me on the putting green acting all this, and I said, Brando. You need to back off because I'm going to throttle you. If you don't back away from me, I'm going to knock you freaking out. And he just looked at me like, "Well, you know, you know." He was always that little cocky little son's gun, and so he went away. And Willie Wood, <laughs> Willie Wood was buddies with him. He goes, "Damn it, Woody! I wish he's just cold cocky." <laughs> 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 that is I'm, hilarious. I, I'm not a big brand old either. I sure can't call him, so don't worry about me calling him. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is, Sorry that about that one, a, guys. That, <laughs> that was just one that popped in my head when y'all were meeting up on Brando. I thought, all right, well, they need to know I almost got to punch you. <laughs> that,
1: that is maybe my favorite story time with Woody of all time, guys. Uh <laughs> good, thing, wow. good thing there weren't mics on that situation, but there was a oh. mic on Max Homa on the 13th hole during this golf tournament, and Guys, did you like this little interview as he plays the hole? I thought that this was great stuff and the changes that the PGA Tour does need to make uh, to adapt to the times. And the fact that he goes on to win the golf tournament um, is a huge plus for maybe getting those interviews in the future. And for these regular season tour events, I, I I really like this kind of content, T-Dub. What did you think about the Max Homa interview while he was playing?
0: Yeah, I, I think for,
2: for one hole on a on a Saturday afternoon w- w- or on a Friday afternoon, I guess in this case in a third round. I, I think it's absolutely great. I mean, as long as and we all know they're not forcing it on anyone who doesn't want to do it. A player could say if they don't want to. And and I, I'm not sure if I would like it for for the entire hole or or for the entire round, I mean, but maybe even if people want to do it for like a three hole stretch or something like that. That would be cool. And I think it's just you kind of hit the nail on the head. then The luck that it could have been to be able to do this in the third round and then be able to have it be the winner of the golf tournament eventually. It, it, it's an absolutely brilliant thing. And the fact that they are trying to at least make some changes – to, to make, uh, to, to adapt to the changes, like you said, with Liv coming around and wanting to make their broadcast product better, which had been declining over the, really ever since Tiger hadn't been around as much. So it was a good change. I like it. I think it's cool. And, and they're going to need stuff like that, Woody, because I, I hate to say it. I wish I would say it differently, but Trevor Immelman is not as good as Nick Fowdo was. And that's going to be something that is going to, at least Nance is still there, which helps a little bit, but that's going to hurt the broadcast product a little bit because Fowdo was, uh, was pretty solid except for his one call at Augusta last year.
0: Well, I think Trevor Limmer will get better, I hope. Uh, you know what was funny about that ruling, though, guys? <laughs> we don't want to beat a dead horse, but what did Max Homa talk about before that? Hey, did he call the official? Because he wasn't going to touch the ball. Who touched their ball at the same golf tournament Patrick Reed. the year before? Uh, hello! <laughs> yeah. Here a we couple go years again. ago. <laughs> So I thought that was, Matt Toma is such, uh, the PGA Tour is so lucky to have him starting to come out of the woodwork, so to speak, and become, well, a figurehead for the PGA Tour, because this kid's got so much personality. He's got so many uh, stories, and he's a great storyteller, and he's perfect for stuff like that. I mean, you couldn't put a better mic on a better guy than Max Homa. And it worked out perbatim, just like you said. It couldn't have been better. When he's reaching down there, he goes, no, I'm not going to touch this ball. I'm getting an official over here. (laughs) He didn't say anything about it, but you know what he was doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Max Homa, number one, is great and perfect for that, and I'm glad that he did it and then went on to win the golf tournament, so hopefully we get more of that. Also, I think it's a good compromise from, you know, maybe the people that are in charge on the PGA Tour saying, we we wish you players would, you know, maybe wear some mics throughout the rounds, and and the players aren't really for it because the only thing that can happen to them that's, we know, it's cancel culture nowadays. And so if they say one wrong thing, they're kind of scared to wear a mic, which is understandable, but for one hole, I feel like it's a pretty good compromise, and, and hopefully more guys uh, will do it. Uh, last thing on Max Homa, and, and Woody, I want to get your thoughts on this. He mentioned something after the tournament in his press conference and said, "It's a quote, it's a beautiful game. Sometimes you're just one good swing thought away from being good again what do you, i mean is there anything to be said and and to me there definitely is that 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 quote right there really speaks volumes to me that sometimes you have to just forget your bad thoughts and come up with new good thoughts, but it's not that easy. You do that through practice and, and repetition and gaining confidence, um, but sometimes it really is just that simple to come up and say, light bulb moment, that's the swing thought I need to have, and all of a sudden a guy goes from you know shooting even par every tournament to 10 under every tournament. They're already so good.
0: Uh, none of these guys, if you got your name on your bag and you're playing on the PGA Tour, you're already so good it's ridiculous. And it sounds funny, Sam, that, that, that this one little tweak, one little tweak here or there, whether it's your way you're gripping your putter or it's something you feel like with your stroke or your golf swing that you feel like, oh, maybe it's my right arm needs to be a little closer in the hitting area or i got to pause a little bit at the top. There's so many things that they can come up with. And I'll tell you what, none of us haven't done that. And everybody's been on the range at some point in their life and thought they found the Holy Grail. And the only thing I can tell you, when you think you find it, don't tell anybody. Because if you do, then it'll get taken away from you. It does it every time. Keep the Holy Grail secret to yourself. Do not tell anybody what you're doing. Because as soon as you do, it's like buying a new driver and you leave the price tag on it. And then when you take the price tag off, it just starts going in the woods. It's almost, uh, you know, I don't know, superstition or whatever. I'm, I'm crazy about that kind of stuff. But I've found more things on the range before a golf tournament that I've kept to myself and gone out and played a pretty good round. I think any good player does it. And I think it's a big part of confidence. And it can take you from being what you said, shooting even harder to shooting ten hundred. It's crazy. Golf is such a fickle game. What, what's, so, what's so
2: crazy about it is how fast it can happen. That That's what is, oh, it it, it could come just as fast as it can go away, right? Like you can be leading a golf tournament or playing good, and all of a sudden you just, you can't hold the putter right. Or you can't feel the top of your swing or, or impact feels weird. It's just, that, that's what was unbelievable for me when I was playing was just how fast that, you, you could not have it figured out, and then all of a sudden, it, it's just there. Like, it could happen in the middle of a hole at a certain point. It's just, that was the thing that did always boggled my mind. And, and like Woody said, Woody, Woody hit a nail on the head. It, you have to keep it to yourself and to, to, like you said, the holy grail. You hold on to it and, and let it ride because the, the waves of golf momentum are the biggest roller coaster you'll ever have in, in your entire life. So whenever you're at the top, you have to make it go as long as you can because it's not going to last forever,
1: Sam. That's exactly right. Both of you hit the nail on the head. Woody, why don't you go ahead and tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank? Quail Creek Bank
0: is off and running. Like I said last podcast, 2023 is going to be a big year. Talking to some of their executives the other day. They're excited about 2023. Not only that interest rates are starting to kind of quiet down a little bit, but they're also big on some new types of loans, small business loans. We've said if you're looking for that and you want to know the bank, know your name, wow, Quail Creek Bank, that's who you're looking for. Go check it out, please. If you're looking to start at a new bank this in 2023, go to Quail Creek Bank, located right there at 122nd and North May. That's where they're located. Go check them out. You will not be disappointed, I promise
1: you. Quail Creek Bank, the best bank in Oklahoma City. Okay, for the 73rd hole listeners, obviously we're doing one show a week now. It will be normally on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So if you want to pause this episode right now and get to our Pebble Beach preview, you know, at a different time, you can do that. But we're going to hit a break and then we're going to go to our Pebble Beach preview. Preview, Um, we're turning two shows into one now, guys, all in one in 2023. Please go give us a follow at the 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. We're also on golfoklahoma.org and thesportsanimal.com as well. You can find us all of those places. Please hit that subscribe button. It's the purple button on Apple and the green button on Spotify. We'll be back right after this short break here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.
3: When something the size of a golf ball hits your room you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405 692 That's 405 692 Make sure to also visit their website at That's mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today.
1: We are back, rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Definitely go get all of your local golf news from GolfOklahoma.org. They cover college golf in this area of the country better than anybody, and they will have full access to the Live Event up in Tulsa. Kim McLeod, Chris Swafford, doing a heck of a job. Speaking of college golf, I should give a shout-out to to the University of Texas's freshman Jacob Sosa shot a 61 in the Southwestern Invitational. It was a personal best, a season best uh by 9 shots and a tournament record and the North Ranch Country Club record uh Jacob Sosa from Texas, guys, I guess is a guy to look out for this year when we get to our national championship and Big Twelve talk. Um, but had to give a shout out to him after seeing that, and he made Sports Center top ten hole in a bunker shot over this past week. So really impressive stuff from the Longhorn uh, guys. It is Pebble Beach week. Yes, you know, the field is not very good normally at Pebble Beach, but we do have some big names in this golf tournament, guys. We have, you know, the likes of Jordan Spieth, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, um, and then it drops off a little bit, but we do have those three guys in the golf tournament, I mean, I am very excited to see Pebble Beach, and I wish the PGA Tour would have a little bit better event at Pebble Beach yearly, maybe even, you know, have two events at Pebble Beach, one be the Pro-Am and the other, you know, be an elevated event to where we could see the best players, you know, week in, week out, play at Pebble Beach for big-time money or something like that, but... Uh, T-Dub, what are your thoughts on Pebble Beach this week? I know off-air, Woody alluded to, you know, a lot of it depends on what the weather is going to be like, but what kind of player are you looking for at Pebble Beach, and what type of game does Pebble suit?
2: Well, it's not an overly long golf course, so it's, it's more, more a placement, but, but the Poana Greens can definitely be a problem, as we saw this last week at Torrey, but they're also playing, I, I believe they're still playing three different courses. I think they were able to get Monterey Peninsula enough uh, to wear, but obviously I think Spyglass, out of all of those, Woody could probably attest to this, is probably the most difficult out of those three. So if you can get around that course at, at a decent score, I think you'll be good. But uh, especially for like DraftKings purposes, you get three rounds played, and uh, obviously you want to get a made cut, so you get the fourth, but it's not as penalizing as it is if, if, it, if the cut is just done on on just after two rounds. But uh I don't I don't know what you you've been able to play out there, you can test it. I think one of the reasons why this why this tournament doesn't get a very good strength of field is just the the pro am part and having to play with how long that the rounds take out there is one of the reasons why Tigers say he didn't play there, he doesn't want to play a six and a half hour round of golf. So I don't know, maybe you can test it out a little bit more.
0: To catch twenty two. Some guys like playing it because they like to invite somebody out to play with in that tournament. Um, weather is a big part of it. Spyglass, you hit the nail on the head, T-Dub. Spyglass is the longest, hardest of those three. Th- that that golf course plays so long. It's just incredible. I remember one of my years playing out there. You guys got time for a quick, you want another quick story? Absolutely. Of course. I'm playing with Kenny Perry at Spyglass. And the night before, I'd gone out and had a lot of sushi and uh, had eaten like a king. Why, well, I don't know, but I had decided I was going to have a lot of food. Well, about the fifth or sixth hole, I had a rumbling going on. And, and normally, I do not want to stop a round of golf. I mean, if I'm I'm playing golf, I sure don't want to go into one of those porta-potties. But I was dying, gentlemen. I had no choice. So I told Kenny Perry, you tee off on number six. You go ahead and hit I'm I bet he had a draw. To a potty. Yeah, he did hit a draw, no doubt. <laughs> but I'm going to run up to that porta potty, and this porta potty was kind of—it was sitting on the tee box, so it wasn't that far from where we were actually hitting. And the gallery was there, kind of within, you know, ten feet of this porta potty. But I, I, guys, I was dying. I, I had to go. Well, I jumped in there and I sat down, and oh my, it. It was an explosion. It was like that one guy going in that Home Depot, everybody better get out of here. I'm fixing to blow this thing up. Well, it, it was ugly. It was so loud in there. And I was thinking, Oh God. <laughs> oh my God <laughs> So I opened the door to come out and everybody in the gallery's staring at me. Kitty Ferry's down there and he starts clapping and he says, Woody, that was massive. That was really good. <laughs> so, it was, it was one of the most embarrassing parts of my career that I can ever recall. Because I wish that porta potty had been a little further away, but it wasn't. And let me tell you something: they needed to haul it away when I was done with it because it was ugly. And um, but I did play pretty good after that because I I I weighed about two pounds less. So um, another one of those uh, Pebble Beach stories from Woody that was always a good one, but Spyglass. Uh, brutally hard golf course and on that day it was even more fun
1: just looking at you know prior course history here it seems like the guys that win and this you could say this about every tournament but especially at pebble beach and at you know spyglass and monterey peninsula it seems like great putters tend to win at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, whether it be Snedeker or, you know, you could go on down the list of guys that have finished well that are great putters. Why do you think that is, uh, T-Dub? Is it mainly because of the small greens and everybody's going to miss a few greens? Or um, why do you think that, you know, great putters of the golf ball tend to excel um, at the AT&T Pro-Am?
2: Well, whenever you're going on uh, three different golf courses, you have to be able to putt well at, at all three of those. So instead of having to get putt well on 18 greens, you have to put well on, on 54 of them. So I think there's a little bit of aspect to it. And and on POA, there's a lot of commitment factor that has to go into it. You have to If you get up, at, I saw it with Tony Fiena on my pick last week. If you get up on these five- and six-footers, and you're not very confident on your putt. You're not going to hit a very good putt, and it's going to wobble. And because you have to hit it pretty firm to make sure it doesn't hit all those bumps along the way. So I think that has a little bit to do with it. But also the point that you made is, as well, Sam, that the greens are by far the smallest they play on the PGA Tour. So everyone's really going to miss them. So you're really not going to have very many 40- to 50-foot putts out there and there is a decent amount of of break on those greens they're not they're not the flattest on earth and particularly on a few holes out there so there's a lot of factors that that relate to it being uh good putters have to excel there but also with the greens being small you have to be able to hit the irons too because it's not the easiest uh, course to
0: chip on right woody no it is not they've got this stuff out there called ice plant and if you get in it it is ugly it is so bad guys I, I something you can't even hardly get the golf ball you can't even hardly get the wedge or whatever
1: through it so we saw it last week this, at Torrey Pines Woody the ice yes, plant down in yes. the canyon
0: yes and and so if you miss the green by too much chipping becomes extremely difficult so I, I think you guys are spot on usually it's really good iron players just little cutters uh because I look back at the year, I remember Johnny Miller won that tournament when Johnny Miller had no business winning a golf tournament. He was using some kind of claw. He had the worst yips you've ever seen and still won the golf tournament. And the only the only way he won is his iron play. Johnny Miller was probably one of the best iron strikers that you guys would have ever gotten to see. He was phenomenal. So it is basically a a really important Not so much off the tee, it can be off the tee, but irons into those greens, especially at Pebble and Spyglass, really critical, yes.
1: Yeah, and I also think the point that I was trying to make is it probably brings, you know, the shorter hitters and the straighter hitters into it. Hence why we see Matthew Fitzpatrick as the favorite this week um, on Data Golf and and in the odds in Vegas. And Victor Hovland is second. Jordan Spieth is third. Maverick McNeely is fourth. Seamus Power is Fifth, guys, I mean, are you taking those top three guys if you're betting on the tournament? I'm not talking one and done uh, yet, T-Dub, but as far as if you were going to make a bet, would you say that the winner comes out of Fitzpatrick, Hovland, or Spieth? If
2: I had to bet it, I would pick someone out of those three just because you get 140-something players. I mean, we've seen the likes of uh, Ted Potter Jr. and some guys who can just kind of come really out of the woodworks to win this tournament, so I would pick – that. But one of the reasons, fits, all these players, it really does suit their game. I think it suits Fitzpatrick well. I think it suits Toblin well, and obviously we've seen how well Speed plays. And uh, we'll get into him a little bit whenever we make our picks later on. He's played this tournament so exceptionally well, and what he mentioned this point too, it can who your partner is has a lot to do with. It. And he plays with Jake Owen out there. They seem to have a really good time playing that tournament. So I think that one of that things alludes to Speed playing well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I expect – in all honesty, I expect someone kind of out of the woodwork that no one's going to pick, Woody, to win this tournament just because the strength of field really isn't very strong.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going with uh, Seamus Powers this week, guys. This is who I'm going with, and, and I'm I'm kind of like you. I I think this is a bigger crap shoot than any tournament almost all year. I, I never know who's going to win here, so um, – I, you know, he got the ability to win there, so why not go with him on my one and done?
1: That's a great pick, Woody. He hasn't missed a cut since the Shriners' uh, Children's Open. He won at the Butterfield Bermuda um Talk about a great putter. I mean, it seems like every time he plays well, um, you know, he's gaining over half a shot on the field putting. If he hits the irons well, that's where he tends to be a little bit streaky. I think that Seamus Power could be a really good pick. I want to talk a little bit more, guys, about Victor Hovland. Obviously won at the Hero World Challenge um, and then finished tied for 18th at the Century. Last time we saw him tee it up. Uh, You know, what do you expect to see from Javi this week, T-Dub? I I think that, you know, the putting has been the best of his career as of late. Um, If he can get back to, you know, what we saw maybe a year and a half ago from Victor Hovland, ball striking-wise, I feel like he could be in that elite top 15 like Woody was talking about earlier. What do you expect not only this week but the rest of the season from, from Javi?
2: Yeah, you're dead right on his putting. You're really going all the way back to the Open Championship. He's only lost stroke game putting at, at one event, and he's had hasn't missed a cut in that stretch, hasn't missed a cut going back to the Scottish Open a week before the Open. So it's been on a, a, a tear, and I, the main thing we've all talked about is his chipping, right? And going back to that stretch I just mentioned, only two of those tournaments he lost strokes game around the green. So I think that's a really big part of it. But I will say this, this tournament is in the continental United States, so there's really no chance – that uh, Hovland can win this tournament, at least from what we've seen. I expect him to play well, but I don't expect him to, to win. And really, until I
1: see that happen, Woody, I'm not going to pick him. Although, a, a really in a tournament. In, in United, go ahead, Sam. Although he has won at at Pebble Beach before at the USAM. Has won at the USM. That's
2: a very good point and did make the cut in his only time playing here, T-38. But that's just a hurdle you have to get over. But I guess, if you, Woody, if you are going to win a tournament uh, for the first time in the United States, it might as well be
0: in a field that's not very deep like this one. He had not been playing much lately, at least we sure haven't seen his name. Um, Hasn't teed it he, up since this century, Woody. There you go. So, um, coming off a long break, it didn't hurt Rory. Rory was able to put it together to buy there. So, I still look for Hobby to have a good year. I think, I think we saw some really good stuff happen with the way he's chipping the ball. He's chipped the ball a lot better to me. And I think that was always what kept him from winning before was his short game. And it wasn't as putting as much as that sh- that chipping. Um, so, if he's like he always is, I, I don't know that he'll win. T.W., you're probably right there. Uh, but I could see him in the top ten easily this week, guys.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. You hit the nail on the head, both of you, about his chipping. He hasn't lost strokes around the greens since the Tour Championship, guys. He, that means he played the BMW, he played the Italian Open, the Zozo, the CJ Cup, the Worldwide Technology, the DP World Tour Championship, the Hero, and the Century, and didn't lose shots around the greens in one of those tournaments. Not only is the putting the best of his career, looks to looks to me like the chipping is the best of his career, too. He just needs to get the ball striking back, too really elite level it's not bad but it needs to get back to that elite level he was at for him to be contending in major championships in 2023 uh T-Dub why don't we go ahead and get to our one and done picks for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am
2: let's do it and I have been I've been ripped by some people for for going out on the limb of my season-long predictions that Jordan Spieth would not win a tournament this year I'm still going to stick with it but I am going to have all my eggs in the Jordan Spieth basket this week because I am picking him in the one-and-done. Wow. This is one of the tournaments that he plays so magnificently. I won back here in 2017, finished second, third, and ninth the last three years at this tournament. As I mentioned earlier, has not missed a cut here. Really, the last eight times he's played this tournament, he's gained strokes, gained putting. That obviously is only on Pebble, I, I believe, because they're not going to have it at Monterey. And Spyglass, but um, but you look down at two. too, he hits his irons good here every single year, and he chips good every single year here, too. So, yeah, uh, once again, I'm still not picking him to win, Woody, but I think he is a pretty surefire bet for a top 10, top 15 finish, especially since the last time we saw him, it, he he was leading the golf term after one round, then proceeded to miss the cut, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so that was great to see, but uh, I do think he will be extremely motivated to uh, to, to get uh, to come to a place that he likes well and to play well here.
0: He does play well there, and I'm 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 pretty impressed with you because usually you're not a speed lover. Um, hopefully, he just won't hit any shots this week that almost kill him. Uh, that's what I'm pulling for—that he doesn't do something really crazy like that. <laughs> I'm going. I said earlier, I'm going with Seamus Power, though. I'm going to go with him. Um, why? Um, because I was looking through the names, and he just popped in my head. So I said, let's go with it.
1: I know that Jordan Spieth is the bigger name. Seamus Power has also been playing some good golf. But you guys are missing the most obvious pick for the one and done this week. That is Maverick McNeely, a guy that has a second in this golf tournament. He also has a tied for fifth in this golf tournament, guys. And he has made seven straight cuts. He finished tied for seventh at the Sony Open, tied for tenth at the Worldwide. He finished tied for tenth at the Shriners. He has played some really solid golf lately. And when I talk about looking for guys that are great putters, you have to put Maverick McNeely on the short list. He hasn't lost shots on the field, on the greens, Since the Travelers Championship, guys, the guy... Rolls his rock. Give me Maverick McNeely for the one and done this week. Speaking of one and duns, last week, my one and done pick Sung J M finished in the top five. So I've been on a little bit of a heater with these one and done picks. I just need someone to hoist a trophy so I can get on the top of our, you know, 150 person 180 per, I don't know how many people are in our one and done pool, but a bunch, uh, but I'm up there in the top 10. I need Maverick McNeely, uh, to finish at least, you know, Know, top 10 this week for me, T-Dub. What do you think about him?
2: I really like Maverick McNeely this week from all the reasons you just mentioned. Hasn't missed a cut going all the way back to the Fortnite Championship in, the, in September. So he's been playing really especially well. The putting has been there, and he's actually going to be in my, in my DraftKings lineup at, as uh, one of my more expensive picks just because this is a time where he could break out, too, because uh, he's, uh, he played at Stanford. And I do believe that, uh, I think, a family member, he might actually be a member of Pebble or something along those lines. He, I think he exact- grew up
1: like close to the golf course, but wasn't allowed to play till he was like a teenager, right? Or something like that. that that's going straight off the top of my head, so it could be wrong. But I know that he's definitely from that area.
2: That, there's some story behind it to where Pebble has some sort of sentimental
0: value to him what he saw. I think that, that's another reason for him to play pretty well there, right? Hey, Sam picked Hayden Buckley and darn near one. So uh, you think I'm gonna question <laughs> anything. Sam's picking on the one and done? Uh, no sir, I'm not going that. I'm I'm a little disappointed that I don't make some side bets. If this Maverick I mean, nearly almost wins or wins this week, I'm gonna start going to the betting line on Sam's pick.
1: <laughs> it's bound to, i'm bound to hit a cold streak eventually woody but it hasn't hit me yet so give me maverick mcneely this week t-dub go ahead and give us your DraftKings lineup for this week
2: right, i will start at the very bottom 6200 and going with camilo vijakis for no other reason that i went top heavy and i needed someone cheap and i really hope camilo plays well so i picked him going all the way up to 7400 the Ironman, um, the hardest practice I've ever seen in my entire life, Bo Hostler, Pretty good value for him. He finished third here last year. Actually made a bogey on the last hole to do that. It was really a pretty bad bogey. He was in contention the whole week. I expect him to at least make the cut and play pretty well here. Uh, my next most expensive at 8300 is Taylor Moore. Uh, he, he, he actually, him and his partner, won the, the program portion of this tournament last year. So he's got some good vibes there. Finished 11th here. Uh, or finished at 11th at Tory last week and finished 16th at this tournament last year. So I expect Taylor Moore to play pretty well, especially for that value. And a little bit more, 6,400, or I'm sorry, 8,400. This is a guy the analytics really like this week. That's Dean Barmaster, a, a South African player that's playing pretty well over on the European Tour and has made both cuts on the PGA Tour at the Farmers and the American Express this year. So I expect him to keep that trend going for a fairly decent price. 9,600, Sam already mentioned Maverick McNeely going to ride with him and then at 10,100 the most expensive the analytic favorite to win the tournament is Matthew Fitzpatrick and I know I picked Jordan Spieth in the one and done but if I had to pick someone to win this term I know I said I think it would be someone outside of those top three which will probably be the case if I had to bet it but if you said you have to bet one golfer to win this tournament you have no other choice I would pick Matthew Fitzpatrick so that's why I picked him as my most expensive singer.
1: Yep, I, I totally like that DraftKings lineup, T-Dub. Uh, as far as our best bets this week, Jordan Speeth is the favorite at plus 900. Matthew Fitzpatrick right behind him at plus 1,000 along with Victor Hovland. Then it drops to Maverick McNeely is your fourth favorite at plus plus 1,600, and then you have Tom Hoagie up there at plus 1,700. If I'm going to go best bets this week, there's a lot of guys you could throw some dark horse money on this week, Uh, one of which being Davis Riley at plus 6,500, obviously not as Good of odds as you're going to get Davis Riley at on a normal week with a little more top-heavy field, But this week, I feel like, is a week that he could, you know, be up there in contention. Also, a guy like Kevin Kisner at plus 6,500 as well. is We've always heard Kis talk about there's certain places he can win and certain places he just, you know, can make the cut. Pebble Beach, Spyglass, and Monterey Peninsula Country Club—three places that he can compete. And and I think that Kevin Kisner is one of those guys that don't sleep on just because you know he's not going to be up there in contention every single week. There's certain places where he has the potential to be, and this is one of them. We'll just see how hard he was working over the quote unquote off season. Uh, that could be an issue with Kis. Any thoughts on best bets, TW?
2: I think you're on, been on an absolute heater, so I think you should roll with it. I mean you got you got your Eagles and, and your second team, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I mean you, you right. your sports paradise right now must just be you must be in heaven right now.
1: That that is exactly right. The the football gods are paying me back for having to watch OU and OSU all year. Obviously I grew up and still am a huge Eagles fan and obviously I spent a lot of time in Kansas City in college as well, so Like I said, my team, the Eagles, made the Super Bowl, and and my AFC team, I guess we'll call them the Chiefs, are also in the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, all I have to say is uh, I wonder how those jabroni Cowboys fans are feeling, (laughs) T-Dub. You've been notorious for being a pretty Dallas Cowboy
2: hater, so I mean... I mean, even, it, but but you, you're rooting mostly for your Eagles, right? That, that's by far your
1: number one team. No, I'm obviously rooting for the Eagles. I've had a lot of people ask me that. No, I just root for the, it's like, you know, when, uh, let's say for, you know, around here, right? I, I think that I root for Oklahoma State unless they're playing OU normally, right? And so, uh, I think that it's kind of one of those situations. I am an Eagles fan. I just like the Chiefs as well.
2: So so I mean what what are you, what were your thoughts on just everything that transpired this last weekend? I mean, you had to be in absolute heaven. I know we talked earlier uh right before the the picks that we both liked the Eagles and the Chiefs to win, so I thought that was the ultimate kiss
1: of death. But uh, we had the the betting gods on our side, did we not? No, we absolutely did. Number 1, I mean, the the Eagles game was an absolute sleeper. Uh, It turned out to be the fact that, you know, obviously Brock Purdy gets hurt and Josh Johnson goes in, the guy that's played for a million teams. And so it turned out to be, you know, a walk in the park for my Philadelphia Eagles. They continue to have the best defense and the best offense in the NFL, even though a lot of people were giving credit to that San Francisco defense. Um, As far as the Chiefs and Bengals game, I did have the the betting gods on my side in that game, T-Dub, but we'll just say that. Uh even though a lot of those calls ended up not mattering. The Chiefs punted anyways and uh like Travis Kelsey said, know your role and shut your mouth.
2: I mean I I, I thought it was the biggest home cook game I ever saw in my entire life. Woody, what were your thoughts on
0: the games that transpired?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know I i kind of was down on NFL football for a long time, but I did watch a little bit of that football this weekend. And uh, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I'm really not a big Eagles fan, and I'm really not a big Kansas City fan. So, basically, when the Super Bowl is usually played, I'm doing something else, so I really
1: don't care. But if you had to make a pick, Woody, are you going with the Eagles or the Chiefs? I'm going with the Eagles.
0: I, and the reason why is I think the Eagles are the real deal. I mean, their defense is brutal. I mean, they are really, really good. And how can you not kind of pull for Jalen Hurts? You know what I mean? Because even when he came to OU, they didn't think he was going to be all that. And he darn near won a national championship. Okay. Then he goes to be a pro and they say, yeah, he's not going to be all that. And yeah, he is. So, I'm all about the Eagles. If I'm going to pick a team to win or I want a team to win, it's
1: the Eagles. All I know is it was the two best quarterbacks in the NFL this year will now be facing off in the Super Bowl. I cannot wait for that weekend. We have the Waste Management that weekend, which means our radio show on 98.1 FM, WWLS, the Sports Animal, will be starting Super Bowl Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So listen to us for that for the waste management recap and, and preview for that final round. That'll be great, T-Dub. I can't wait for that. And also, I mean, what a weekend that's going to be in Arizona. I mean, it, number one, do you have a pick for the game? Obviously, I'm going with the, with the Eagles, but Uh, man, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a weekend in Arizona with the Super Bowl and the Waste Management. I'm sure there's not going to be many sober people uh, at the Waste Management on February 12th.
2: No, there's no chance that there will be hardly anyone sober at at that deal, and there's no reason to be, unless you just don't feel like drinking on Sundays or something (laughs) like that. But yeah, there's no And I think it's pretty telling that that the Eagles opened as as a favorite when it first came out. I haven't seen the, the line move in the last couple of days, but I think that, that was a pretty interesting take. And I think the Eagles probably have the more overall team. But if you have a healthy Mahomes, he's the best quarterback in the game. So that always gives you a little bit of an edge. And I think one of the things that, no one's really, that I haven't heard anyone really talk about that will be interesting is the coaching matchup. Uh, how will Andy Reid and uh, what's the, what's the Eagles' name, Sam? I keep Nick Sirianni. Nick yeah. I mean, he, he's proven to be actually stellar with what he's done with Hurts and, and that run game. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how there's a little bit of a chess game being played uh, in that aspect.
0: Hey, guys, let me tell you this about Phoenix, having played there a few years. Uh, it wouldn't matter if it's Easter Sunday. They're going to
1: be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, No doubt about it at the Waste Management Championship. Last golf thing here, guys, that I got to get into. We did see... Phil Mickelson at his press conference yesterday, and he looks like a completely different person. No beard, and he's lost over 20 pounds over the offseason, almost to where when guys at an older age lose weight, they almost look unhealthy. Uh, But, I mean, Phil says that he's still trying to be able to win major championships. What do we think about Phil losing over 20 pounds and not that long of an offseason?
2: I think that he, he's, for, for his actual age, he probably doesn't look that bad, but for how he's looked over the last couple of years to now, I, I think he's on the decline, which is sad to say. And I think it says in the analytics of, of this tournament, because we talk about Pebble Beach, but in my opinion, it's not even to the best tournament going on this week. We have the Saudi International going on, which doesn't have as many world ranking points. Absolute shocker on that aspect. Uh, 202 at the Pebble Beach program compared to 147 at Saudi International. But we did do an Instagram poll on, uh, on the gram, and we asked the, the fans to let us know what was the biggest, what team had, or what tournament had the best field. And obviously, we only could show the top 20 or so players, but 62% of people said that the Saudi International was the better field, and absolutely rightly so. Does. Cameron Young, Dustin Johnson, Joaquin Neiman, Cam Smith, Mito Prayer, Taylor Gooch is playing, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Koepka. The field is absolutely loaded over there. And Woody, the absolute funnest part about this, you know how you can watch it? On the golf Is that not unbelievable?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well T W still follow the money. That's where the most money is, so that's where they're going. And to talk about Phil and his weight loss, if I lose 25 pounds, I'll look worse than Phil does, which the only guy looks worse than those that Phil did was Tim McGraw. Did you ever see Tim McGraw when he lost all that weight? I didn't. There's something about, yeah, there's something about getting older, guys. We're allowed to be a little fat, and it's okay. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. I don't got the metabolism I used to. have. If you think I'm going to work hard enough to lose 20 pounds, so that means I can't eat much, I can't drink much, and I got to work out. Yeah, I know. You better get used to the fat, Woody, because I'm not getting there.
1: T-Dub, I'm going with Dustin Johnson this week. I'm pulling up the odds right now for the golf tournament. Is there any other names that you think can actually beat Dustin Johnson if he plays the way he was at the end of last season on Live?
2: Well, if, if he plays that way, probably not. Maybe Cam Smith, if he plays like he did at the Players or the Open Championship. But the uh, the favorite on Data Golf is Cameron Young, which I think is pretty funny. that He's on the PJ Tour, and he wanted to release to go play over here, I think. But uh, the, the PJ Tour would be absolutely hypocritical if they didn't allow him to do it. So it was good on that aspect. But we, we talked about him a little bit on the uh, earlier show, Taylor Gooch. I mean, he's down here. I believe he's the eighth favorite on data Golf, just behind guys like Lucas Herbert, Louis O'Shason, and Paul Casey. I'm ahead of guys like Harold Varner, Abraham answer, Sergio Garcia, He's actually ahead of uh, Kepkin, Bryson DeChambeau as well. Those are two guys that are way down, and Matt Wolf's kind of down on the list as well. So I don't know. I think there's maybe some of those guys who could come up and play well, but I think you're absolutely right. If Dustin Johnson... Plays his best. I think
0: he'll beat everyone, including Cam Smith. You know who's going to win? Who's that? I'm telling you, Kepka. He's healthy. That's true. He's healthy and he's wanting to, to play good this year. He, he, I think we're going to see Kepka do some good stuff this year. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what, get ready for that. That's my Sam Humphreys, one pulled out of my proverbial fanny, Brooks Kepka.
1: Well, Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson are your favorites at seven to one. Cam Young and Joaquin Neiman are twelve to one. And then your boy Brooks Kepka right there, sixteen to one, along with Patrick Reed, uh, this week at the Saudi International. So big time field in Saudi Arabia. Man, I just don't see anybody beating Dustin Johnson if he plays anywhere close to his best golf. Um Gosh, I mean, there's other guys in this field such as a Lucas Herbert, Bryson DeChambeau. What are we going to see from Bryson DeChambeau this year? We'll talk about it next week on what we see in Saudi Arabia this week, guys. I'm really excited to watch these live guys tee it up for the first time in 2023. Did we miss anything today, T-Dub?
2: Um, a couple of things. One thing we did miss is that uh, Shane Lowry and his caddy split, which I think was was pretty interesting. Um, I don't don't necessarily know the story i heard that or i was actually watching an interview on the golf channel with um with paul mcginley and uh he, he was kind of laughing about it so maybe there's an inside story there that um that wasn't there and also on the same deal i was watching um was uh, I, they kind of made a mateship golf course up in the himalayas and and it just made reminisce to back to the caddyshack story so i think that's where carl spagler um, definitely uh, his story alluded to was at the top of the world classic so anyone who wants to google that up check it out so that's interesting and just how far you could hit the golf ball up at the altitude of the Himalayas that would be the place I need to go to get my average diving
0: distance up wow the Himalayas you could hit a long way I mean, you know what I'm but ready what's the for?
1: elevation there
0: oh jeez uh, well highest in the world dude yeah, I mean, if you hit it far in Colorado you could probably feet? hit it like
1: 500
0: yards there probably so but that's not what I'm ready for. You know what I'm ready for? What's that? Spring. <laughs> no doubt about it. Oh, there's weather, no doubt <laughs> about that. This weather I'm sucks. already sick of this weather.
1: This weather is awful, guys. I mean, here's the deal. By the way, can we get weathermen that can actually get it right? I thought there was supposed to be some ice apocalypse going on right now, and there's no ice, but it's just cold. Well, uh, my, my
2: app every day says fifty percent. So it's like four days in a row we just flipped the coin and we didn't get it right, Woody. I, I guess that's no, what they're trying to do
0: now. <laughs> you know what a weatherman is in Oklahoma, guys? He's a major league baseball player. If he gets one out of three, he's a kid. He's done so well. The only thing they got to get right, the only thing I really care they get right, is when a tornado is coming. <laughs>
1: that's all I care about with those guys. No doubt about I it. I don't care. And they're really good that's at that. But they can they're predict really tornadoes, good at but they can't predict snow or ice, I guess.
0: No, nah, well, that's okay. You know, uh, give them a break. I was told one time, Sam, I would have made a perfect weatherman because I've got a lot of BS and I'm very seldom right. <laughs>
1: That's how we're going to end the show today here on the 73rd hole. Thank you to Woody. Thank you to t Duff This has been Sam Humphreys here on the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Definitely go give us a follow at the 73rd hole on Twitter, at 73rd hole on Instagram, and hit that subscribe button on Apple and Spotify. That just helps us out. It's absolutely free. We will be back next week on the 73rd Old Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.